Good morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me give you a little warning here. Seems like the older I get, the more emotional I get. I watched a video the other day of a dog greeting his long-absent master. And the dog was crying. And believe it or not, I started to cry also. <laughs> now, when you know, come to a point when you cry, when the dog cries, you're in a real problem here. But let me begin, first of all, by thanking God. Here we go. For his goodness, his grace, and his mercy. Give me the privilege of serving him by serving you these past 21 years. This is going to be rough. Let me begin, though, by thanking what's happened this morning. I want to thank the choir for that song, that dedication song. And truly, I have tried to give my everything to Jesus Christ because he has given his all for us. Now, my everything is not much, but it's all I have. And you know, it's surprising what God could do with an old bush or with a piece of one little fish or a piece of Johnny cake. He could multiply those things in his sons thousands of times over. So whatever it is that you have, no matter how small it is, give it entirely and completely to God, and he will multiply it. So thank you, choir, for that song. I want to thank B also. You hear that from heaven? That's, that's some song. I don't know if that's good or bad. Or there was one. Uh, B also for singing that wonderful song, that beautiful truth. When I first came here, B sang that song. And you know, I say, I'm going to have B sing for me every Sunday that I was here. But that was a lot, that's a little hard working out, uh, where there's a lot of tradition and, and things like that. But that was a beautiful song. And so B, thank you. It's a good receiving uh, song and a beautiful giving, going away song as well. Thank you very much. I want to thank those of you who are here. Some of you have made a special trip, a special time to come here. I appreciate that. Now, I don't want to call too many names, but there are a few, of course, who've come from the islands. And I would like to recognize that because they had to pay some money to get here, and I'm not going to pay any money back to them. All right? So this is the only recognition they're going to get for that. All right. First of all, Nancy Hall, and I think, is here. Nancy was the secretary for a while uh, here, too. Nancy, are you around? There she is. Nancy, love you. And there you go. Thank you. And Churchill knows. He flew all the way from the big city. Uh, what's it called? Huh? The first city, eh? Grand Bahama. Uh, we go way back, and I thank the Lord for that. Now, two special friends, too, and didn't have to go anywhere, so I don't have to pay them anything, are the Nottages, Ruby and Kendall Nottage. We thank the Lord for their presence, and we appreciate them being here today as well. We thank the Lord for each and every one of you. My family is here. I told them, would you mind standing up, all the families, immediate family members? Would you mind standing here? I want you to show that I'm the ha most handsome of the whole group. <laughs> all right? Would you all stand, please? I told them I'll have to retire more often to get them to come to church. <laughs> anyway. 
And also, Nancy has two special friends, Ruth and her husband are here. Ruth is a special friend, and thank you for coming. We appreciate that so much. The Lord bless you. Um, my message today, of course, is somewhat anti... Oh, one other thing I'd like to mention. I wanted to say to Lindsay Pender, too. Lindsay, it was good to see you in the choir this morning. The last time I saw Lindsay, he was in the hospital, groaning, complaining, making all kind of noise. He's uncomfortable. Why got to be you? All that kind of stuff. And now looking up here. <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. <laughs> Not all of it. He was lying in bed and he was sick and he was complaining. All right. But I, it was really good to see him there, though, because I was surprised to see him there, so I thank him for that. But as I mentioned in part one of my farewell speech, I prayed much about what I would say to you at this time, even as I did last time. But again, as I did last time, in keeping with my commitment to base my message upon the Word of God this time also, I decided that I would plagiarize some of the Apostle Paul's words as I did two weeks ago, when I presented, as I said, part one of my farewell message, which shocked every one of you because of its brevity. But as I mentioned, that was only the introduction. Today, we come to the meat of it. So I hope the ladies are there have some warmers on the food and everything. I'm only kidding. Lindsay, that's another one, all right? But let me begin by reading Paul's words to you at this time. But I want to make a few disclaimers or explanations before I do so. The passage that will be read, contextually, Paul is addressing a group of pastors among whom he labored for some time in the city of Ephesus. And he is doing so with the expectation of never seeing them again due to his anticipating an impending death. That's why some have called this passage Paul's deathbed message. For me, of course, my message is to all members of the incredible body of Christ, not just to the pastors, but it does include the pastors and the deacons. And I am not expecting, of course, to be beheaded by anyone. Maybe berated, but not beheaded. But these words of the apostles are serious words. They reflect the heart of a man of God and his love and concern for his people, which I also share and have for you as members of the incredible body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church. Paul is emotional in this passage, but yet he, free, he speaks frankly. I will try to follow his example by not being too emotional, but also speaking frankly. Paul, in this passage, looks backwards, and he looks forwards. I will do that as well. Paul reminisces a little. He warns of dangers from within the church by perverse men and from without by false teachers. And he gives some concerned pastoral advice as to how to deal with them and then gives his final commendation. I will try to follow his example with this repeated disclaimer. I say again, I do not view this message as my deathbed speech. 
Although it could well be. Who knows? Jesus might come before I'm finished. I'm ready to go. The big question is, are you ready? Are you ready if Jesus Christ should come right now? Or will you be left behind? Because you have not placed your faith alone in Christ alone as your personal Savior. But to be honest, I am still waiting for an anticipating experience, what I have called the Caleb Syndrome. Also, I do not believe that this will be the last time I will see your faces. However, the serious nature of my words and the depth of my love for you are all real and are just as emotionally felt as was true of the Apostle Paul when he spoke to the people at Ephesus. I want to read the words to you now. Now, I had planned to have my wife read the word to you today, but for some reason she's emotional. I don't know why, but she is, and she's a little hesitant to do so. So I've asked another preacher in the family. I can say this now because the brethren can't do me anything. I'm about to leave. Uh, it's Sandy. Sandy is one of our missionaries, of course, working with uh, Navigators. So she has volunteered, uh, after I inducted her, to take her mother's place to read the passage for me at this time. Here are the words of the Apostle Paul. Hello, everybody. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, 1 Corinthians 4, 18 to 35. You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I've endured the trials that came to me from the plot of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God, and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jailing suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not spearing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of you, how can you can help those in need by working hard. 
you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Thank you, Sandy, and the Lord will bless his word, I'm sure. Now, as I mentioned, I have modified, paraphrased, and even added to Paul's words to the leaders of the Ephesian church, as well as to the intent of his words, in order to be certain that my message to you today, as both leaders, members, and followers of Calvary Bible Church, is in keeping with the word of God. Paul's word will be shown on the screen as I present mine. I begin with verses 18 through 21. This is my personal application. I have done the Lord's work humbly and oftentimes with tears that perhaps God alone saw as I managed it here the past 21 years. I have endured the difficulties and challenges that came to me as your senior pastor teacher and your primary feeder over the past 20 years which is fully one-third of my life. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, even though you might have wanted to hear something else. And I've done that either both publicly and face-to-face. I have had one message for everyone, although it was stated in different ways. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to serve and worship the triune God through faith alone in Christ alone. My divine mission as your pastor was to feed you the bread of life so that you would grow into Christ's likeness. It was not to pamper or kiss up to you to gain popularity or your acceptance. The primary responsibility of a pastor is to be a feeder of the flock of God. In fact, that is the basic word of the meaning, that is the basic meaning of the word pastor or shepherd. A feeder not a comforter of the complacent or a satisfier of the unsatisfier or a scratcher of the ears, but rather a pastor is to be a feeder of the flock. And that is what I have tried to do with God's help over these 21 years. My first obligation was to be faithful to God who called me to this ministry and equipped me with the spiritual ability to fulfill it, not to comfort the comfortable, but to stir up the stagnant and to make worshipers out of those who come to church to be entertained and pacified. It's impossible to please everyone by doing this, but that's what I sought to do nonetheless, to please God and not to please you. And now I have come to an end of my ministry as senior pastor teacher here, primarily because of failing health to physically meet the challenges that I see of currently facing this assembly both from without and from within. And like Paul, and in fact, James, John, and Peter as well, the latter is my greatest fear. As you will hear in a moment or two, I know what the answers to these challenges are and what needs to be done to successfully deal with them. But on my part, the physical strength to meet the resistance to providing the spiritual solution is severely lacking on my part. Talking about tears, I cried profusely the day I finally realized that this was the case. God has not seen fit so far to touch me with the Caleb syndrome, for which I have been praying for the past two years. For those of you wondering what the Caleb syndrome is, of course, it has to do with the fact that Caleb at the age of 80, remember, 
80 years old, said that he was just as strong as he was when he was 40 years old. His eyes were just as strong. And when he was choosing the territory to conquer in order to dwell in the land, rather than conquering the land that was easy on the, on the lower part, of the, in the valleys as it were, Caleb chose the mountains where the iron chariots were and everything. The most difficult, this 80-year man did that because God had touched him with what I call the Caleb syndrome. Since I got my, since I had my operation, that was, I was praying for that as well. And maybe God is waiting until I'm 80 to do that. But of course, you guys can't wait until that time. I, if God had touched me with this Caleb syndrome, I can assure you I would not be making this speech that I am making to you today. I would not. I said I cried profusely the day I finally realized that this was the case, that I did not have the physical strength to continue. His not doing so is the primary reason for my resigning as your senior pastor. Not the only one, but the primary one. I have taken that as his call for me to give up this role, even though in so doing, I leave a lot of what I wanted to accomplish unaccomplished. But I rest in my conviction that God has nonetheless accomplished whatever it is he wanted to accomplish through me during these past 21 years. And I leave with that confidence. My prayer is that God will provide the spiritual fortitude to our remaining pastors and your new senior pastor that will allow them to fearlessly and boldly meet these challenges for the glory of God and the genuine spiritual growth and maturity of the members of the incredible body of Christ at Calvary Bible Church. But because I am aware of the times in which we live, I know that it will not be easy if the candle of Christ's light and life will continue to shine bright and through, the, through this assembly, and the growth from God will result rather than a growth from man. Verses 23 to 24. I really don't know what God has planned for me in the future, except that the Holy Spirit, through his word, tells me a lot of work still lies ahead, and that I must utilize my gift to complete this work. This is why a lot of my efforts will now be placed in Teleos Theological Training Institute. You'll be hearing a lot about that in the days ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God and doing whatever is in my power to lead them to Christ-likeness and genuine spiritual maturity. This is 25 to 27. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the word of God for the past 21 years will ever have me as your senior pastor teacher again. I personally declare today that I have been faithful to my God and to his call upon my life. If anyone who has been under my ministry here at Calvary Bible suffers eternal death or failed to achieve spiritual maturity, it is not my fault. I did not shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know about the full and free salvation that comes by faith alone in Christ alone, and that his greatest desire is that those who do place faith in Christ grow into Christ's likeness and thus show themselves to be true disciples of Christ indeed. 
I have led you to and through the grain pastures and pure water of the word of God. If you fail to eat or drink, that failure is not mine, it is yours. The pastor is the feeder of the sheep. He does not and cannot eat or drink for them. This is 28 to 31. I told you Paul was very frank. So now I say to the pastors, as Paul did, God yourselves and God God's people. Notice the command to God yourselves come first before guarding people. Because unless we guard ourselves, there's no way that we can minister effectively for the glory of God to the people of God. Guard yourselves. Examine yourself daily to see if you as a pastor are spiritually fit and equipped to do the work of caring for the flock of God that he has placed in your charge. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood. That's why the church of Jesus Christ is the most valuable thing in this universe. Why? Because it was purchased with the most valuable thing you can ever imagine. And that's the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as faithful leaders and equippers of this church. This is important, fellow pastors, to remember that although the people of God might endorse us, it is the Spirit of God who appoints us, and we are responsible and accountable to him first and foremost. And so I say, remember also, pastors, pastors lead, sheep follow. If you allow these roles to be reversed, spiritual, spiritual chaos will follow. The same is the, the true of the role of an equipper. The pastors are the equippers of God's people. If we reverse the roles of equippers and servers, we'll have chaos in the church. The pastors are to equip, the people are to serve. If we have the servers trying to equip, we have problems. The pastors beware. If you are to adequately meet the challenges of the times in which you live and minister, you must know how to defend the faith and know how to rebuke those who oppose the faith, both by what they say and how they live. Some of the most Awful false teaching is done not through what people are saying, but how they live and what they do in an assembly. Above all, as pastors, as the church of Jesus Christ, we must preach the word and preach it always. Following Paul again, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not spearing the flock. Even some men from your own group of the assembly itself may rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following after them to have their own disciples rather than making them disciples of Jesus Christ. In fact, as I mentioned before, Peter, John, James, and Jesus himself all warn that this will be the greatest danger the church will face in these days in which we live. Not dangers from without, but dangers from within. Deceivers and impostors who show themselves as angels of light will infiltrate the church to entice you to follow them and do things their way rather than follow Christ and do things his way. Watch out for them. Remember the 21 years I was with you 
my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many private tears for you, as I, on your behalf, contended for the faith that was once and for all deposited to the saints, doing all I could do to protect you from false teachers and from the evil one who masquerades as messengers of light through them. This, my friends, is the time in which we live. Now verse 32. How thankful I am that I can entrust you to God under the word of his grace as I leave. This word of grace is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. Notice carefully, it's through the word of grace that I commend you, not to programs or carnal activities that draw the crowd but lead away from the narrow path upon which only the few genuine disciples trod. Many Christians and churches are on the broad path of worldly and fleshly ministry because they are substituting the word of man for the word of God and doing things their way rather than God's way. Then it comes to doing the church. Keep in the word and you will keep on the path God wants you to go as a church. Verses 33 to 35. I leave knowing that I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. I have never kissed up or sucked up to anyone simply to gain their favor for personal gain. I have not sought gain or glory for myself, but for God alone. And I take now the example of Paul to explain my own personal example here about seeking things for myself. When I first came to Calvary Bible Church, I made it a condition that no, nothing concerning a salary would be discussed until after I decided whether or not I would accept a call to come to Calvary. Because I wanted to be sure that the reason for my coming to Calvary was not for any kind of material gain, but because God was calling me. That was made understood, and that's what the man did. After advised that I would believe that God was calling me and accepted it. Then they told me what the salary would be. Boy, said, I wonder if I did the right thing. I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding. But it really went home because you know what? And I'm not saying this would have been trying to follow Paul's example to show that I did not in any way try to seek personal benefit. I found out that I was receiving a salary that was less than I received 15 years ago from the last church I attended. I don't think any professional will take a job like that. Because you see, I wasn't looking at Calvary Bible Church as the ones who were hiring me, but the Holy Spirit himself who was doing it. So he was responsible for my, my lifestyle, my salary and everything else, not the men here. I have depended upon God and God alone to supply my own needs and the needs of my family. I have, in my own non-publicized way, tried to be an example of how you can help those in need by working hard at preaching and teaching the Word of God. As Paul said, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I have sought to give what was given to me without cost, without asking that something be given back to me as a result. Freely I have received, and freely 
I have sought to give. I try to get away from any idea of using the gift God has given me to make personal gain, to make monetary profit of it, because I think that's an abuse of the gift of God. However, having said all of this, I have to say this also, or rather, I want you to hear what the Holy Spirit says in the Word of God about this. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 5. Now, a, pers a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point as far as my ministry is concerned. But my, my conscience is clear. But that doesn't prove that I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine and make this decision. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and we reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. And that's what I'm looking forward to. No praise from man, but praise from God and God alone. Finally, again, from verses 33 to 35. And now I commend you as members of the incredible body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church, whom I love dearly. I commend you to the care of the Holy Spirit and to the word that he authored for our good and for the glory of God. I can do nothing else that will be more meaningful and more beneficial to you and more glorifying to God than to commend you to his word. And so, say to you, beloved, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Nancy and I love you dearly. Sila, please think and act upon these things.